0: Welcome back to the Questionably Qualified podcast covering Game of Thrones. I'm John Truxus, and I'm here with Mike X once again. Mike, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Uh, we're hoping to not have too many dog-related difficulties tonight. Um, each of us has a dog in the room with us, so we'll see how well we can survive that. <laughs> Big time. It should be interesting. All right, um, so this was uh, not, not too difficult of an episode to cover in terms of geographic regions. Um, but obviously it was a pretty exciting one for a lot of people. So let's go ahead and start with Danny um, and talk about what happened in Marine. What were your initial impressions of the way she handled that situation?
1: Well, when we talked about this earlier, I think you kind of covered it when you said, why did she wait till morning while those ships were firebombing her people? But other than that, I thought it was a pretty good job, and I think we would be... Uh, remiss, not to mention your sex slave that's listening in on this right now.
0: <laughs> that's true. Our uh, our collaborator Weems is also here in the room, uh, making his first ever podcast appearance. We met. How's it going?
2: Uh, I didn't realize that I got promoted to sex slave. That's a really great honor. All of us. Um, no, really, this is great news. Uh, Se- sex
0: slave and podcast producer. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna
2: tell my girlfriend and my entire family about this promotion. They're gonna be really happy about it.
0: Well, we're happy to have you.
2: Web content contributor, oh, webmaster, yeah. sex slave, amazing. I mean, not very many people can put three roles on a business card. Just let that sink in.
1: And I'm, I'm amazed by it.
2: Okay, with with
0: those introductions out of the way, um, so so that's a good question, Yex. Um, why why was she so willing to wait um until the next day when when they're actively being bombed? Um, I, I I wish that they had just given us one scene where they had said well the people themselves aren't at risk right now and like we've evacuated them all to safe areas or something like that because she does have a finite army and presumably they were just taking flaming cannonballs for the past 12 hours
1: yeah not a good thing
0: probably not um, but yes we finally got to see the power of all three dragons unleashed at the same time And that was pretty amazing. So yeah, I think that uh, Danny explained that she practiced some degree of restraint there by not actually setting fire to the entire uh, fleet of the slavers, which gives her some additional ships to get back to Westeros on. Um, I don't know how many ships there were that she got out of that, but adding it to the 100 that her newfound alliance with Theon and Yara um, hopefully gives her enough that she'll be able to sail soon. How did you like the the alliance of Theon and Yara with with Danny? What were your initial takeaways from that?
1: Um... I guess the first thing I thought was, you know, after she explained like why they shouldn't uh, partner with whatever his name is, Yuron, yeah, they're on. like it made sense, right? Like she didn't want to marry that guy, and it's gonna be like, I don't know, it kind of seemed like clunkily put together i guess and like just kind of a puzzle piece that fit if you like didn't
2: have to think about it
0: she she did seem to agree to it fairly quickly (laughs)
1: yeah
2: i mean that's obviously due to the heavy uh, you know heavy-handed lesbian subtext that was being created (laughs) during the entire scene
0: yeah that was that was an unfortunate step backwards for their uh (laughs) their pushing of of the female roles in this show the only way that they can possibly both be ruling is if they're lesbians, I guess. But, um, yeah. So, so yeah. So now she got the hundred ships from the Greyjoys, um, who managed to get there very quickly, um, which is wow. which is good. But I think we've covered time fudgery enough in this uh, particular podcast to to not get more into it. Um, the one thing I thought was interesting was that they got there very shortly after an entire armada was was barricading, uh, marine.
1: Yeah, they got right through there. So,
0: Instantly. maybe maybe they took some lessons from Sir Davos and figured out how to, how to run those lines. Yeah.
1: They uh, did something.
0: Yes. Um, so, the other interesting part of that to me is that all three dragons were acting in concert. And the reason that that's interesting is that um, I think I've talked about it in a couple of the articles, but as far as we've known... There's always been one rider per dragon, and you can't you can't like go ride someone else's dragon. Once you've bonded yourself to a dragon, and once a, a dragon is bonded, there's there's only one rider that it'll accept. Mm-hmm. And so, a big question that that Matic and I had was, okay, well, if Danny is going to be riding Drogon, then that leaves two dragons kind of without dragon riders. Um, and we know that from historical accounts, anyway the only people who have been able to successfully ride dragons have been people with valyrian blood which at this point is only the targaryens um, so one of the things that we talked about a lot was how is Danny going to find two other people to ride the other two dragons mm-hmm. um, obviously there are some stories about a certain main character that are a bit more covered in the books to this point um, that would provide for a second dragon rider but we were still trying to figure out who the third would be now the interesting part of that scene then is that it looks like danny might not necessarily need the other two dragon riders right away because the other two dragons were right there setting fire to that one poor poor ship uh with her while she was commanding drogon too
2: yeah
1: yeah i mean that that seems kind of likely just given what you see in the show. Um, I have a quick question. The theory they just mentioned is that, like, not common knowledge to someone who would listen to this podcast. Well, the, Go ahead and say who it is.
0: There are only, like, ten of us, and two of us are dogs now, as of tonight, that listen to this podcast. So um, it's probably common knowledge by now.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't, Have you
1: ever read any sub or... Like read it on the show. You know exactly
0: what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. The the R plus L equals J theory. Let's just go with that. Okay. Um. Yeah. Because somehow they still left the Tower of Joy unresolved in the show. So I don't. I don't want to. Uh. To ruin it if there is someone out there.
1: <laughs> Internet ghosts. Yes. <laughs>
0: Those people. Um. So okay. So the big question I have for you then is coming out of Marine. Uh. First off. Did you get an impression in there of whether those ships together made Danny feel that she had enough to make the crossing?
1: Yeah, we talked about this kind of off, like, before we were on a pod, but, yeah, it didn't make you feel like she had enough, especially given the amount of Dothraki she's just, I guess, acquired. I don't know if that's the right word.
0: Yeah, she picked but... up in free agency. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dropped by the former calls.
1: <laughs> exactly right, uh, but no, I didn't. It felt like you know what Varys is doing seems important.
0: Okay, and I'm I'm hoping that whether it's Varys or they find another source of ships, it happens soon because uh, if we if we slip back into Danny ruling Marine for another few episodes, then that would be really depressing.
1: It'll be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Made it through such good television the first time around.
0: Everyone's favorite part of the show and the books is uh, is marine governance. Yeah. Um, okay, so so maybe next episode, do you think that in the next episode we'll see her set off for an undisclosed, undisclosed Westeros destination?
1: I don't think so. I don't see how she could. I think there's, you know, I, I don't really see how she could. Okay. Unless you leave some people behind, I mean, which I guess she'll have to, but I don't think she's going to take a horde and move towards Westeros. I don't. I don't think she's ready.
0: Okay, so you think next episode might be more wrapping up the events in Marine and maybe seeing Danny and Tyrion discuss mm-hmm. what to do next?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, maybe something else kind of creeps out of the woodwork to kind of leave us hanging as to what is going to happen. Like what? Like, they just overcome this obstacle, and then she can go. You know, just like okay. put a nice bow on it, maybe.
2: Okay. Do we have any answers on when uh, the King of the Iron Islands is going to actually head over to Marine? It's difficult to say because of the
0: aforementioned time fudgery. It would take a long time to build a thousand ships, which seems to be necessary because Theon and Yara managed to steal one hundred of them. Um, but. It also would take a lot of time for Theon and Yara to sail from the Iron Islands to Marine. So maybe by the time we're seeing them arrive in Marine, he's already built a good number of those. Right. And maybe is he's preparing trying. to sail, yeah. you know,
2: soon. Yeah, I'm thinking he might be trying to, you know, convince her cuz he probably figures that Theon and Yara are heading over, so he might try and, you know, beat him to the beat them to Marine, but so there might be a standoff there or maybe that'll get resolved in the last episode i, I don't know like i'm yeah like the whole time fudgery situation is getting extremely confusing especially to someone like me who doesn't follow everything in that explicit the detail i don't know it's i feel like there's got to be some dramatic cliffhanger or some event but a lot this last episode wrapped up a ton of stuff and i'm kind of confused at where it could even you know go
0: yeah. yeah, it certainly did. And you know maybe it ends up that Euron uh, overestimated the willingness of his people to start building 1,000 ships, and uh, they just end up sitting there at the Iron Islands.
1: I think one episode is a sufficient amount of time to build 1,000 ships. I decided <laughs> that's how my metrics add up.
0: Okay, that's good. So be, he'll be there next episode. So he's on the way. He's on the way. Okay. Now he'll be there. <laughs> they had a
1: one-episode head start. Yep. and now he comes okay I mean that's right yeah
0: that seems that that's seems show, fair show math that seems fair okay um so okay so we don't think that she's gonna make the make the tripper embark on the journey um this next episode but we think that maybe we'll find the new obstacle in her way something along those lines um I think that's about it as far as Marine goes um it wasn't a very eventful battle it was pretty awesome watching Grey Worm uh rack up that double kill real quick yeah um and I thought that Tyrion's I thought both of Tyrion's speeches, as usual, were, were pretty great. The first one um the first one maybe be con- containing a bit of foreshadowing for next episode. Um uh, as yeah, we discussed this. Tyrion went ahead and mentioned casually to Danny that the Mad King uh buried a bunch of wildfire underneath um King's Landing and particularly underneath the Sept of Baylor.
1: I think what makes me really happy about, like, Tyrion's casual reference to this, and the fact that, like, he's, like, known to have been studious of all these scrolls, and it takes... Is that guy... Who's the the shunned maester, like, Kyburn. yes. It takes him, like, over an entire season to, like, even mention to Cersei that he has read about this, and discovered it under the city. If, in fact, that's what he was referencing. It's just kind of silly... Because it's like, how can Tyrion, like, someone who supposedly shouldn't have this kind of expertise in, like, uh, like uncovering these trolls, knowing where to look? Like, ho- obviously he's studious, and since he didn't, wasn't given, like, physical gifts, like, he honed his mind and read a lot. But this guy should be some kind of a scholar, and he should have been able to, like, uncover this, you would think, quicker than he did
0: yeah um and i think so there is one Tyrion is working with a tiny bit of inside information which is what jamie told him um and and Tyrion then was engaging the maesters or the pyromancers rather to uh create more wildfire for the battle of the blackwater now my question would be why did kyburn take so long to pick up on it because at that point presumably there were already pyromancers in the town who were just working on this big stash of it um so that's a little bit odd like Tyrion didn't go and, and murder all the pyromancers the way that um, you know former Targaryens have murdered the people who kept their secrets to make sure they stayed secret so yeah you would think that it wouldn't take that long to confirm the, the rumor that, that Cersei asked him about bit, bit unusual So so speaking to that foreshadowing where do you see King's Landing going next episode does it go up in green flames
1: Uh, that's kind of what I think Uh, I mean, unless you're just going to like, unless Cersei just is going to, you know go down into the the dungeons or whatever and become guilty and there's no way out for her unless, you know what I mean, like unless that's where they're going I kind of feel like she's just gonna try to, at least try to just firebomb the whole place, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's, it's hard to see her uh, getting through a non-combat trial uh, on the good side of things. So I would think it would have to either be the firebombing or it would have to be Marjorie stepping in with uh, the Tyrell military force to uh, put an end to things, which didn't work the last time they tried it, but maybe it they not seem like get desperate it. enough that they decide that's their only option, uh, besides I mean, I nuking the, it. But
1: Yeah, the other, and I think more... The other easy option here is she just gets someone to kill her one cousin, right?
0: Yeah, Lancel is the key testimony. That's yeah. So it's
1: like <laughs> apparently in like Westeros, you're not quite up on like just murdering witnesses,
0: right? Which they're or around the
1: whole town, or I'm guilty, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're fine with murdering people all the time leading up to this point, but uh, eliminating the key witnesses, I guess, outside the scope of what you can do.
1: Wouldn't you think they would have done that just way long ago, given what you know about like how the Lannisters operate?
0: Yes, absolutely, and yeah, yeah, it's it's curious for sure. Um, and you know, Cersei has been becoming more and more unwound uh, as the the story has progressed, but you would think that she would lean more towards immediate assassination in that case. Yeah,
1: I mean, the mountain could have just murdered him right there
0: (laughs) right so so the other question i have for you uh as far as king's landing is concerned is let's say that they firebomb it and king's landing goes up in smoke whether or not Tommen survives do you anticipate the the middle of westeros being any sort of obstacle to danny's army
1: I don't really foresee it being that much of an obstacle as is. I mean, the only army you would guess that has any kind of pull would be what Tyrell Tyrells. maybe, maybe the Dorn, but like, I can't imagine they'd have that much of a beef with, you know, them going to right to King's landing and at least wiping out one of their main enemies. Yeah. So I mean, outside of the Tyrells kind of standing up to him, I can't really see too much of you know something happening
0: along those lines right and and it's probably worth mentioning that um historically doran has been the one region best able to resist the attack of dragons and they have absolutely no reason to side against danny at this point um so yeah except for the fact that their main uh, attack seems to be sexy seduction so
1: oh well, and we, as we know Daenerys. At least with uh, Yara, it seems a little <laughs> bit susceptible
0: to that. <laughs> so wildly unnecessary. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah Alright. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and go up north then to where we spent most of the episode, where I think the most um, kind of relevant uh, progressions happened. We all knew that Danny was going to get out of Marine eventually, but we didn't know exactly what sort of state the north would be in by the end of this showdown. Um, and, you know, you know, to sum it up easily, I would say not good. Um, it's better than when it's in possession of Ramsey Bolton. But, um, I mean, when you look at the situation that they've now created in Winterfell, how do you feel about Sansa and John's um, kind of chances to do what they would like to do?
1: I guess it, I don't really know what they're going to want to do at this point because obviously John's probably going to look towards the wall and how he can kind of insulate. Winterfell and the rest of Westeros to that attack, and we don't really know what Sansa's going to do outside of wanting to get the house back. She hasn't really tipped her hand one way or another as to whether or not she's going to launch some kind of revenge campaign, which would essentially be suicide, you would think. Um, But I don't really know what's going to happen actually there. That's that's kind of I mean I think that's going to be probably the crux of what happens.
0: Right. you're in Winterfell,
1: outside of what she does with. Little finger and however that dynamic plays out. Right. It's like enough with the pedophile. Like, that's enough
0: with the pedophilia, right? Like, that's that's his case. character. I
1: know, it's just fucking gross though. It's like, can we not anymore?
0: It's super it's, gross. I mean even like from we're done now. even from an original premise, the I was really in love with your mom and you look like her is, is not a good place to start. No. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So I, I. would. I would like that to go away. Um. I suppose that maybe she's old enough now that it no longer qualifies as pedophilia. If that helps. Well,
1: well, the physical person is. But how old is she actually supposed to be? Because when she married Tyrion, she was supposed to be fourteen. Yes. And that was three seasons ago. So at best, she's
0: sixteen. Right. But
1: there's no way the seasons work like that. So right. I feel like she's still
0: like fifteen. Yeah, I think you're probably right, um, which makes it all very, very disconcerting, but then again, so is everything else in this show. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that your your question is a good one, which is, what does Sansa even want to do? I mean, she wanted to take back Winterfell. Like you said, that was her only goal. She also wanted to rescue Rickon, which um, Rickon didn't help himself much, but they also didn't do a great Jesus. job of, <laughs> of saving him. Um so, so yeah. Well, I don't put that
1: on anybody except for again. It
0: was, it was, it was poor. Um, I would also like to point out that it was, as far as um, you know, Ramsey, his diabolical plots, you know, worked basically a hundred percent of the time, no matter how idiotic they were, right up until the end. Yeah. Um, but allowing your most valuable captive to just jog across an open field and then shoot arrows at him. And I'm not sure if they were setting it up that he was playing with him by narrowly missing. Um, I think
1: they were, because at one point he shot an arrow and he wasn't even looking. They yeah. had to have It been. only landed, like, two feet from him. I'm <laughs> like,
0: what? Yeah, so the problem I have with that is, let's say on that last shot, there's a gust of wind, and you, <laughs> the arrow gets blown a few feet to the left. John scoops up Rickon and heads back to his lines. Like... That's just an unnecessary risk to take, right? I would agree with that, but what if Ramsey,
1: instead of being a warg, can warg, for instance, inside of arrows, which he definitely must have been able to do?
2: I mean, maybe, maybe he had a backup plan of, oh, I missed this arrow because I'm an idiot and made this stupid plan, and I have, like, fire a salvo at them, and maybe he was trying to lure out Jon Snow to shoot him with arrows. I mean, he... But then he
0: just didn't shoot him with arrows.
2: (laughs) I I don't know. He definitely could have.
0: Which was unusual. (laughs) And you could have just shot him with, like, 100 arrows. Which was unusual because he ordered the charge, and he could have launched a volley of arrows while the charge was coming, but then felt perfectly fine launching volleys while his men were out there in the mishmash unfortunately
2: john snow's plot armor was a little bit too strong for his arrows so maybe he knew that his arrows wouldn't work anyway so he just tried the charge i think
0: i think john is feeling a little bit like he's playing with house money at this point you yeah know? oh yeah
2: he's already died once he doesn't he doesn't care anymore yeah at this
0: point. yeah and melisandre basically told him sorry i'm gonna keep resurrecting you as many times as i can so yeah. At one
1: point he just becomes like Barrack, who's just like, I guess I'm not
0: dying. <laughs> I guess I'll just keep doing just, this then. Like, eh, you
1: know.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had to watch Rick and go down. Um, again, not not the most effective way to evade arrows, um, running in a straight line. But
1: anybody who's played even middle school football could have dodged <laughs> it. You go over your shoulder, you're like, instead of catching this ball, let's not catch this ball.
0: Right right yeah that, that would have been a good move um and and for a moment for a moment i thought maybe john was going to scoop ricken up and throw him on his horse and and they'd try to save him uh, but they put an end to that with another five or six arrows um shortly yeah, after like, absolute
1: precision
0: yes yeah no problem hitting with those ones
1: oh wait well, you're 200 yards away uh, who gives a shit Yeah, Gotcha, perfectly
0: Um, So I, then the battle scene came up next I thought the battle scene was fantastic I really enjoyed it Um, It seemed very chaotic It was difficult to tell exactly what was going on Um, They actually had more than 10 extras in it They did, that was quite nice Um, And there were were a couple good questions raised on Facebook um, Particularly, why doesn't 1-1 have a weapon? just because we know that giants had been known to use the weapons before, it would have been particularly helpful against the shield wall, um, and instead he was fighting unarmed.
1: And unarmored.
0: And unarmored. Fairly effectively, though. Got to give him credit where credit's due. Yes, being massive is still very helpful.
1: Yeah, giant, giant pincushion was very effective.
0: Right. Um, so John almost dying under the pile of corpses was a uh, pretty, pretty tense moment. Um, and he ends up getting back up top. Tormund uh, was really just getting headbutted to death, which I didn't. didn't. What did an ineffective method of trying <laughs> to kill somebody? I mean, you, concussion awareness is not a strong suit in Westeros, clearly.
1: Does he understand that he's like inflicting like a similar amount of damage onto himself just by the way he was headbutting? Which it looked like he was using his full face.
0: It sure did. It sure did. Um, and then, luckily, um, just in the nick of time, uh, Sansa and Littlefinger lead the Knights of the Veil vale into the action. Um, and Tormund, Tormund starts the, uh, the counterattack then by just straight murdering the... Uh, he, he starts out by going Mike Tyson on, uh, on the Small John, and then uh, wraps it up with some nice dagger jabs.
1: Um, but you feel like you should have just been doing that in the first place, right?
0: It would have been a better idea than being headbutted. There. If that's what if that's what if that's what our you know our baseline is, then yes.
1: Does anybody have any doubt that Littlefinger was going to show up with Sansa? Like even like with that ridiculous moment where they're leading the charge.
0: So like, the only reason I doubted it was that I, as you know, I've been riding the the umber wagon for a while um okay yeah yeah yeah. and there were at least three moments in that battle when i thought the umbers were gonna turn on the boltons
1: yeah for fuck's sake like really
0: (laughs) um so yeah i mean we have the beginning and i'm like okay they're still they're holding back they see rick and die but maybe they're just like eh crap this isn't a good time to to do it yet um Then we have a little bit later on when Ramsey, you know, you have Davos on one side saying, we can't fire into that. We're going to kill as many of our guys as them. And you've got Ramsey just relentlessly firing arrows on his own people as well. I I was like, this is it. This is it. It's time for the the turncoat group in it. You know, they're going to be like, okay, we're not going to fight for you anymore. We're going to start attacking you. And I thought that was how the battle was going to turn then when he called on the umbers to go into their position i thought oh well that's perfect the umbers will get out there and then turn and actually be fighting against ramsey nope small john just sucks
1: yeah i carrie and i were watching this part like when he kept saying loose like it was like so they were like it was it it seemed like there's such a purpose where he's like loose Mm -hmm. like you're like One of these times, they're not going to fire arrows anymore and they're just going to fire them at him. Right. And it's like we were looking for that cue. We were like, they can't keep doing this. (laughs) Like, they're shooting their own people. Right. (laughs) This guy who just, like, murdered a bunch of, like, murdered an infant, you know, is like a ruthless baby murderer, feeds people to dogs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, apparently. No, this is a great leader. Yeah,
1: we're hundred percent behind you. Yeah. Fucking
0: kidding me. Yeah. Apparently, his leadership style really inspires some ride or die, ride or die followers.
1: Is the North really like that shit nervous about like the Lannisters or whoever else that have supported the Boltons in the past. Like, it's like it's shocking to me because it just doesn't it doesn't add up in my opinion to to what you know about the North. Like, right. It's just it. That's not how they do things. Like they wouldn't have done that.
0: Right. It makes no if, sense.
1: A, yeah. If the narrative is consistent with things you've heard and things that have happened, that does not make any sense. So it's like.
0: Right. You can see. You can see behaving like the Glovers, where they say we're not fighting anymore. We've been fighting for various people for the last three years, and it's brought us nothing but pain. But yeah, yeah all the other houses that are just going ahead and all on board the Ramsey train. Like, excuse me, what? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's. It was. Yeah, you know, it was stupid.
0: Yeah. Well, again, maybe maybe Ramsay was able to convince them that uh, his his father, stepmother, and stepbrother all died of natural causes on the same day.
1: And then he had to feed them to dogs because they all had a unique plague <laughs> right. that would only not be transmitted if they were eaten by dogs. Right.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe. They, maybe they bought that. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a little disappointing. No, no one turned, um, but luckily the Knights of the Vale arrived just in the nick of time. Um, route the Bolton troops and, um, you know, send them, send them scurrying back to Winterfell. So before we get into the next part, we're going to take a quick break so that I can make another drink. And so that we can, uh, grab Matic on here and turn this into a a Pod and we'll go ahead and start up again in a moment well done